on today's Locked On Senators. It's game day. The struggling New York Islanders come for a visit against the Ottawa Senators. And we have a very special Sun Central citizen. It's Menno Versteeg. He tells us all about his love for the Sens and music career intertwining. Not only that, we also have an update on the Senators' sale. Gary Bettman has spoken. All of it's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 721 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains on Wednesday, January 25th. And Pilsy, Gary Bettman has confirmed the data room is open for the Ottawa Senators and applications are flying in to purchase the club. Here we go. Let the sale begin. It's the Ottawa Senators sale and this is going to be interesting, Ross. We've heard so many rumors so many potential buyers, all these things. Now we're going to start to get some real evidence of who is legitimately interested in buying this team. And this is where things will hopefully start turning a corner. Show me the money. That's the phase <laughs> we're at right now. The bidding process has begun. And now we'll get the contenders from the pretenders all weeded out. And hey, Gary Ock said right away when the team is officially put up for sale, Look for mid-February. So we've got that circled on our calendars. We're inching closer to the month of February. Pilsy, if this sale goes down when we're in Cabo, that would be all time. But if this sale goes down, we're going to be immediately breaking it all down. The finances and what it means going forward. Because we know the Senators in somewhat of a holding pattern as it stands right now. But Pilsy, the one thing that I found interesting, Gary Bettman, and he was speaking to the media, by the way, in Montreal ahead of the Habs and Bruins game last night. The quote is, the people who have filed applications have begun to do their due diligence. So my understanding is the process is underway. More than a dozen groups have signed non-disclosure agreements, but it doesn't mean that they've all received access to the data room. The potential owners were heavily vetted before giving any approval. So I'm curious when the date is, because they've all been given a date for, for the bidding to, to finalize. But right now, they're all sneaking around the Sens finances. They're looking at ticket sales over the last 10 years. They're looking at the sponsorship deals. They're looking at the media deals. They're looking at the debt that Eugene Melnick had with the Ottawa Senators. So it's open heart surgery right now for this organization. And we'll see who can stitch it up and make us all feel full once again. Yeah, I mean, with the way the Ottawa Senators on ice product is, who wouldn't? want to buy this team for hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, all you have to do is show people the photo of Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzler yesterday at practice, and that just pulls at your heartstrings. I didn't see it. What is it? What's the photo? Oh, we'll pull it up right now. Pilsy, should we 
why don't we tease men over Steve coming up because I know you're fired up about a few topics we got into with him. It was a great conversation, 35 minutes, but we couldn't, we couldn't say no. We were just having a great conversation. It was the perfect mix. How did you describe it? Where he's a diehard fan, but he was also curious to get opinions on uh, from us. Yeah, and that's why we love doing the Send Central Citizens because, I mean, we cover this team on a daily basis, so it's easy for us to just kind of chat about it. But, I mean, other people, they got stuff going on in their lives, if you can believe it or not, Ross, and they're not able to watch the Sens every day. So he was someone that he's clearly an informed fan, but he was still curious about uh, a lot of uh, things that he was thinking about. And he mentioned it. He doesn't have a lot of diehard Sens fans uh, in the music kind of group and uh, area that uh, he's in in the industry. So he was stoked to get our opinion and have some real hockey chat. So you guys are going to love it. And head over on Instagram, menovers is his handle. We'll put it in the link here as well. And tell him that there's no better atmosphere than Sens Hawks February 17th. Can we get Menno in attendance? That's the goal. So make sure you go find him on social media and let him know you loved having him on Locked On Senders. Pilsy, here is my pitch to buy the Ottawa Senders or what I would show someone who actually has the pockets deep enough. Who doesn't want to be a part of this? That looks fun. That looks fun. Sign me up. That looks fun. You know what? Put your logo on the helmet, get your business some some uh, visibility, and just be a part of the good vibes, even though this team can't seem to string wins together. But all is forgotten when they have three days off, Billsy. It's been a while. Coming yeah. up, we'll have a full game day preview. But let's get to Menno here on Locked on Senators. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. It's our new sponsor, Ross, our presenting sponsor, and we are fired up about this one. The NFL playoffs are here. The conference finals weekend is coming up. Some big matchups. You got to get ready for this one and get ready with the number one sportsbook in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, hey, That's even better. Ross and I are new to FanDuel as well, and I can tell you we're going to be taking advantage of this deal. New customers, if you join today, you get $150 in free bets guaranteed. I love hearing free bets. I love hearing guaranteed. Those are awesome. And all you have to do is place your first $5 bet. Just sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spread to player props, plus can even combine your bets for a bigger payout with same game parlay. Ross, I know that a lot of the Sens fans, myself included, are going to be hitting the Brady Kachuk shots over in this game. I'm not so sure about the money line. Uh, we'll uh, we'll think about that for a little later here, but I know I'm going to find some props to have some fun watching this game. So you can all check it out on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. That's the beauty at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Today's episode is also brought to you by, they're back, Shawarma Palace. Our great friends at Shawarma Palace. We love our friends at Shawarma Palace. Pilsy, this isn't even a part of the ad. We were legitimately talking and planning our trip to Ottawa coming up in three weeks. And I I started off, I said, Pilsy, three weeks tomorrow, you and I are going to be eating shawarma palace. And I literally saw you wipe drool off of your chin. You couldn't help yourself. And I don't blame you because shawarma palace is the best food in Ottawa, period. Exclamation mark. Actually, underline it twice and make sure you tell all your friends about shawarma palace as well. 
dine at any of Shawarma Palace's nine locations in Ottawa right now. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this yet, but it's soon to be 10. They're going to have one in the food court at the Saint Laurent Shopping Mall. So stay tuned for that coming up. But right now, you can go near Baseball Town, Gladstone area at Bank Street. You can go even to our home location, I'll call it, down on Rideau Street by Augusta. That's my favorite shop. They're in Orleans. They're in Hunt Club. You're never too far from a shawarma palace. But if you're too lazy to go to a shawarma palace, I can relate. And in those cases, order on Uber Eats. It's that easy. And make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. You'll probably get an extra scoop of garlic in there if you do. As we know, it is the levy lock is the extra garlic on your chicken shawarma platter. You can also get the chicken shawarma wrap. I know Pilsy loves that. And make sure that you let your family in on the secret. Because if you get that platter, is it for you? Or is it for your family? I'll let you decide. But one thing is for sure, and that's Shawarma Palace is the best. You're among family at Shawarma Palace. And remember, sends game days. Taste better at Shawarma Palace. All right, here he is. This week, Send Central Citizen. It's Men Over Steeg. All right, we now welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's Menno Versteeg joining us from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto. What's going on, Menno? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I, I would say longtime listener, but I kind of just got into the podcast uh, this year. And, well, and I love it. For, so same nice. with you for your music, man. That's I know perfect. I heard that, so I didn't feel as bad when I heard uh, you, you just started digging in. So there you go. Hey, I, I've been a Colorado fan for a while, so uh, just going to toss that out there. Yeah, but you had no idea who Menno was. I told him that he was coming on, and then when I put two and two together, you're like, whoa, Colorado? That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that – that is fair. We'll uh, we'll get into definitely your your music career and everything. But I mean, we got to start this off like we do every Sen Central Citizen Menno. How did you become an Ottawa Senators fan? Um, I mean, I grew up in Manitick, Ontario. Um, you know, thirty minutes outside of Ottawa, um, a seriously strong Leaf stronghold, also. Um, and I grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan, and I love the Habs. But obviously, when the team came to Ottawa, yes. um, it just—it uh, was so exciting. And even though they were losing, the tickets were cheap. I loved going to games at the the old Civic Center, and I was just a kid. And um, and I caught the bug. Um, I also played minor hockey for the Osgood Rideau Senators, and that always felt nice. And I remember when the when the team came, we changed our jerseys to yes. Sens colors, and I was just uh, it, it really got me into being a diehard fan at, at a young age. So many ways I can go with this one, but since I grew up playing against the Osgood Rideau Senators, did you in your youth think like, "Hey, that means I could get called up, man. I gotta I gotta get trained." <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't that naive. <laughs> I would have been. Um, what, do you, what do you remember about the Civic Center? Like, I've been there for 67's games. I just missed it. My first Sens game would have been like 97, 98 when they were in the new building. But what was that atmosphere like with such a small crowd but for an NHL game? It was wonderful. I mean, I was just a kid. Uh, I remember you could, like, go to the, the stairs and meet the players coming out after. And it, it was – I don't know if you can still do that, but it was like you could do that after every game and – and then uh, the blowouts. I remember them losing. I think it was to the Quebec Nordiques, like ten to two or oh, something. No. And um, yeah, great fond memories. So <laughs> when you, when you were playing hockey, what position did you play, and uh, who would you liken your game to? What style of game did you play? 
Oh, wow. I was a small guy growing up. I didn't really grow until later, until I kind of like got out of playing competitive hockey. So I really like had a, on the, on the Canadians, I loved, um, I loved Matt Naslin growing up and do you guys remember him? He was fantastic. And then, um, you know, when the Sanders came to town, as I got older, Alfredson became my favorite player and, you know, he just, I like to think that I like to pass first and, and heads up play and team player and Alfredson just became uh, became a hero of mine, which I have a funny story about meeting your heroes. Let's hear it. Do I just jump right into it? Go That's for it. it. So do you guys, are you familiar with the Juno Cup? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of, for, for listeners who aren't, it's a, it's part of the Juno Awards, Canada's, the dumbest term, Canada's Grammys, because it's, it's all a load of, can you say shit? but a really fun time all the musicians get together um and there's a part of it where it's a charity hockey game where musicians who are involved with the junos get to play against like hockey greats um and both teams are usually pretty hungover um and so one year was in ottawa and alfredson joined so I chose number 11 um, in his honor and we played against each other and it was so fun playing against him. Just an absolute dream come true. And he was so gracious and he let me get around him on a rush because he knew what a big fan I was. And I scored a goal at the Civic Center. It was like one of those great moments. And by the end of the game, like me and Alfie are just like best buds, right? So we, I go up to him and we do like soccer style and we trade jerseys. My like rockers number 11 for his Alfredson jersey number 11. And it was just one of those incredible, incredible moments. And then, you know, I took mine to the room. Like I'm going to cherish it forever. Everyone's like, you're getting it framed. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to get it framed. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we're hanging out having beers in the dress room later. And, uh, Someone from the other room who was cleaning up, he comes in with my jersey. He's like, I found this in the trash. Oh. He's like, this one <laughs> do, you want it, do you want it back? <laughs> Whoa, which I found that very, very funny. Oh, man. I thought Alfie would have framed that one. I, you got to be sitting there yeah, thinking, yeah, Alfie's probably thinking the same. I got to frame <laughs> this men over Steve jersey number 11 with the Rockers. But, uh, no, it didn't make it in the suitcase, I guess. Where, no. Where's Where's your Alfredson jersey right now? Uh, it's at the bottom of my hockey bag. Uh, I wear it when I play shinny. <laughs> so now you were mad at him, eh? You're like, I would have gotten his name if you showed some respect to mine. <laughs> you know what? I love that I wear it when I'm playing shitty. It's like, it's a great story. And um, it was honestly one of the fondest memories that music has brought me. It's been a lot of great connections through playing music and hockey. Um yeah, so many great connections, and that's one of the fondest. Did I hear that you and Colorado have played the CTC before? Oh, yeah, a bunch of times. Nice. Um, it was, uh, really fond memories from that, too. Uh, early on, when Colorado was starting to get going, they used to play our music over the PA a lot, yeah. uh, American Arama and Juliet. And then um, I think because of that, Zach Smith, he tweeted at us. I guess he became a fan from just like, not focusing on the game and listening to uh, whatever music was between him winning faceoffs, um, and we started a, a torrid text affair and eventually became buds and hung out in real life. And um, we met up at a music festival. He's he's an NHL player that has um, really great taste in music. 
Uh, and I'm not judging anyone's taste in music, but what I've heard is that a lot of the, to generalize, a lot of the European players like love like techno and yeah. and like electronic music, and a lot and most of the North Americans listen to country. I love both those genres when they're done well. Don't get me wrong, but um, Zach told me that there's very few players who are into like indie rock bands, um, and he really like had a really deep knowledge. Like he knew bands like P.S. I Love You from. Kingston, like really like deep indie rock cuts. Um, and we became buds over that and went to some music festivals. Um, so getting to know him was super awesome. And I don't know if he had anything to do with it, but we got to play like in a box a few times at the rink and they spoiled the hell out of us. And, you know, we got the, we got the whole box and we could invite all our parents to come. And it's like one of those, like parents are like, what the hell are you doing with your life? And you're like, Oh, uh, actually there's a box for us at the Canadian tire center. And, and uh, you guys can all come and we watch the game and there's free hot dogs. Um, Shawarma and, Palace. <laughs> yep. um, and the parents are like, wow, now you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> all, all those years in the garage are now yeah. worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've actually uncovered a mystery here too because our good friend who runs the At Sends Prospects page, which is a must-follow on Twitter and Instagram, he reached out when we, to- when we mentioned you were coming on next week and we're pulling it up right here for anyone watching on YouTube. Colorado, Man of Versteeg rocking a Zach Smith shirt for the first few songs of a concert. And I looked up the date of this. This was one day before the conference finals in 2017 when the Sens were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. That, oh. uh, so, so you and Zach Smith are buddies probably before this, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, long before this. Um, basically... You know, I think it was like in his first early seasons with the Sens where we we became buds, um, and as I said, such a good guy. And like you know, when you get to know someone, of course they become your favorite player. You know, it's just like it's you're just so proud of him and got the opportunity to like uh, sit in a box with his family while he scored a goal at the CTC. Nice. And like I was like hugging all of them and like having a tear. Now like, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just it, there's a pride in that. Um, and living vicariously through someone that you know it's it's always a it's always a good feeling um so yeah that tour um a couple days later we were playing in waterloo and it was the final game was it a game 7 where it went into overtime and Phil Kessel yeah I don't say that name on this show though oh you my can god say it, but you can't say chris <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, that overtime, that really, really sad overtime where Kessel, did he take a dive and draw a penalty or did he take down? It was like, I can't remember. He took a few that series for sure. (laughs) Um, And we had the most patient fans in the world because the overtime was on when we were supposed to be on. And we just didn't go on stage. And and we came out and told everyone, we're going to be backstage watching the overtime. I hope that's okay. And uh, everyone seemed okay with it. So. Everyone's sitting there waiting. They're like, okay, it's overtime. It's going to be over soon. Oh, actually, guys, uh, double overtime. Just hang out, get a couple beers, go to the washer. We'll be back soon. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's always – I mean, when it's a home game, that's it's a funny thing that bands have to contend with. You know, it's like a Canadian touring challenge. It's like when there's a big game of the team in that city – Chris Murphy's got a great story. Uh, Chris Murphy, who's my bandmate in Anyway Gang, but he's, his, uh, his day job is Sloan for the last 200 years. I think he's played in that band. Decent. Um, but uh, he's got a great story. This shows how old they are. 
um, which I'm allowed to tease him about, apparently, um, <laughs> is that uh, they were playing the Jays World Series win. They, they had a big show in Toronto, and they're like, I know, like, it's they were supposed to go on like during the game. They're like, we'll just push it back to after the game. And then everyone can pay attention to us. And it'll be this big party. So everyone's at the venue watching the game and hanging out. And then the Jays win and they're about to go on and celebrate with everyone. And everyone just pours out of the venue and goes onto the street to party. (laughs) Hey, that actually brings me into my next question, which was how, when you were especially on the road, are you still touring right now with, with anyway gang? I, I mean, vague question. Like, we'll do some shows, you know, if uh, if it's a cushy enough accommodations for us old geezers. <laughs> well, when you were in the heart of like every day, different venue, different spot, how were you following the team? Because you sound like you're not just here to wear the hat. Like, you follow this team pretty closely. I do. I mean, I like I watch when I can on my computer. I just this year got for the first time. Uh, the uh, sports net thing. Nice. Um, so that's always nice to have. And, um, you know, sometimes if, if it's all I got, I'll just follow on my phone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter's a huge help for that, especially us out of towners. Eh? Yeah, definitely. Where do you live? I'm in, I'm in, uh, I used to be in, I'm in Winnipeg now. Oh, nice. Oh yeah. man. That was a disaster on Saturday. Eh? Oh, oh my God. And yeah. I hear about it all day at work the next day. It's tough. Oh, I bet. I was they're in the great crowd. fans. They really are. The Winnipeg fans are amazing. And yeah, they're, not, they're awesome. They're not jerks like the Leafs fans can be. I, I really love the Winnipeg fans. And I'm, um, because not only this Saturday, Menno, they lost 5-1 in Winnipeg before Christmas. And I have my Sens jersey on. Oh, wow. Beyonce. I made her wear a Sens jersey. She's a born and bred Winnipegger. So that was a big moment. I was I like, oh, this team, they're on the up and up. <laughs> And they got absolutely hammered 5-1 with the Jets' backup goalie in. And both teams yeah. are missing a bunch of guys. But that was tough. Um, so you're, you're Manatic's finest. Your wife's from Ottawa as well. Am I not mistaken? Uh, yeah, Annie grew up in um, – in, uh, uh, she grew up in Ottawa South. Okay. So my question, and for anyone who doesn't know, uh, if you type in Menno Versteeg on Google, it says, who is Annie Murphy's wife? Or husband, rather, is that is that tough? I mean, you got a pretty illustrious career yourself. Uh, yeah, there's um, uh, there's there's pros and cons to to all that stuff, <laughs> yeah, but um, we we're very very supportive of each other. That's 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 the main thing here. Well, I mean, you helped write a song for Shit's Creek. Of course, Annie was was a lead in Shit's Creek, but I'm I'm getting somewhere with this. Now we've seen Sens logos appear in different areas in Hollywood. Did you guys try? To get a Sens logo in Shit's Creek, or I know that you and with your band, like that was coming for our little fan base. Oh, I never really thought about that. No, not earlier, man. Come on, I, I tend to stay out of it. <laughs> oh no, oh good. Um, so Zach Smith shirt. Uh, do you have any Sens jerseys or just the Alfie one? Uh, I actually have. Um, well, the Alfie one, but I also have an Alfie one that um. We were on tour in China, and we uh, we met these Canadian guys who owned a bar. And the guy's business um, that he did that he made a ton of money on was making bootleg official jerseys, like Classic. super duper, like like come with a hologram, like everything identical to the ones that you buy. And so, and he would you know sell them illegally, like a, a giant crime. This guy that his his job was, and I'm not going to name any names, and I'm pretty sure he's been shut down since. This was in 2009, but we showed up, and 
he he had given us made us all like NHL jerseys of our favorite teams. And so he made me an Alfie one and I was like pretty psyched about it. And I wore it to like a Sens game in Ottawa. And the second I walked into the arena, I realized, and, and he had said this to us that some of them are like, they just don't quite get it right at the factory. It was like a totally different color of red than everyone else's Jersey. Like it just like, I feel like they had like leftover flames red or something. Right. And like at the factory when they were like, bootlegging a Gimlet jerseys and they're like ah this will do we'll just make a bunch of these so I have a, a bootleg uh, Sens jersey that's completely the wrong color of red you wouldn't notice when you just wear it right? Uh, In China? but when you go to the rink it sticks out everyone's kind of looking at you like where did you get that <laughs> that's hilarious i mean that is a big business over in china uh, doing things like that and, and they are convincing i guess you weren't really thinking about the pan tones at the time uh so so that's definitely fair now metal let's get to this team's current uh roster here who are you most excited about on this year's squad of the Ottawa senators uh i really do you know honestly despite everything uh and i agree with you guys just to go back to your last episode, I almost showed up wearing a tank top, drinking a tank house beer. <laughs> yes. Um, that was a depressing I, episode. But I really Sorry. love the team. I truly do. I Good. I find them like, they're nice. They seem like nice boys. Um, and, you know, um, it's hard to pick a favorite, but I love, I love the captain. He's amazing. Brady is like, oh, he's yeah. just such a good guy. He's, the way he, he interacts with, uh, with the with the kids in the community, and then the way he, he you know he'll deck a guy with a smile on his face, and he'll take <laughs> it back, and he doesn't get he doesn't get lippy, but he'll get a bit chippy, you know. Um, he's he's just a wonderful captain, um, but you know all the way around, I love like the young rookies, like Timmy's amazing to watch, um, and I can't wait to see some of the you know the kids coming up, like the the really young ones. Uh, um, Ridley Gregg. Ridley Gregg, we're going to see next game. Yep, that'll yeah, be a big one, his NHL exciting. debut. But yeah, it's a good, fun, young team. Definitely. Um, you know, are you going to ask me to pick a least favorite? No. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go. I mean, I mean, if, you, if you've got one locked and loaded. You know, uh, sure. I love them all. I, I, well, I've been disappointed in Shabbat lately. I feel like yep. he's got all the talent in the world, and I feel like there's an element. Can you hear the dog squeaking away? Is it being super <laughs> oh, noisy? Hey, yeah. we're, sorry. we're I mean, used to it. Dogless dog person. Yeah. Whose dog is that? It's Roger. Uh-oh, here he comes. He's a, he's a new addition. Oh, nice. that's great for the views. That's awesome. Yeah. Roger, what kind of dog? Roger, come say hi. Yeah, hi. Roger, what's up, man? He'll be on the Sense podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's hi. go. Hey. Oh, yeah. That's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. He's sweet. That's um Anyway, so big boys, Thomas Shabbat, good boy. Um, and, He's coming for my job, eh, Bill? Yeah. <laughs> Eggway. And, and, yeah. and like Roger, I think he doesn't, uh, you know, he's got some growing to do as a team player or something. I feel like it's kind of about him sometimes as opposed to about the team. And I feel like he, he doesn't put the effort in. Um, and I think it's okay for us to hold players like that to a higher bar. Yep. I think that's an okay thing to do. And um, so I'm, I, it's not that I'm disappointed and he's a great addition to the team, but I just kind of expect more out of him. 
Yeah, I think that's super fair. I, I, I think where if I'm going to play the the role of Shabbat defender, I think it's an organization issue because they, they play him so much and have for the last four years. Yeah. I don't blame him for being like, hey, I got to conserve my energy. If I'm playing 29 minutes every single game, I think that's- it's more so they've got Jake Sanderson coming up. They've got Eric Branstrom, yeah. who's definitely capable of playing more than 11 minutes a game. It just yeah. feels like they rely so heavily. And a part of that is they don't score first enough. And when you're chasing the game, you're like, oh, on paper, Shabbat's my best defenseman. Yeah. I need to play all the time. But I, I get what you're saying. Like as, as a fan watching the game, it feels like when the puck gets to his stick in the offensive zone as well, the play slows down. And it yeah. just takes that extra half a second. And, I mean – when he's making yeah. $3 million, he's up there. I think it's fair to, to to have a critical eye when you're watching him play. Pilsy, where are you at with Shabby? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of sense fans, Menno, would echo the same statements. Uh, Thomas Shabbat has been this team's number one defenseman for a long time. And it's been an up and down season with uh, a lot of eyes on Thomas Shabbat. And it hasn't been his great effort. And I mean... Him smashing his stick over Travis Hamonick's face on the bench. I don't know if you caught that one. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of embodies how this season is going for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys' perspective. Like, uh, I didn't expect you guys to be as sympathetic as you are, and, and I like that you're giving me that different perspective. I really like that because it's so true. Like, you know, asking someone to play that much and uh, have that much of the weight on their shoulders—that's a really big ask. Definitely. So what do we do from here? That's that's the that's a million dollar question. Yes. But if I just pull it up right now, uh, Thomas Shabbat is fourth in the NHL in ice time per game, and I mean he has wow. been for the last number of years. If I go back, let's say DJ Smith era so from 2019, number one yeah. in time on ice per game. It goes number one Thomas Shabbat, number two Drew Doughty, and that's only four seconds behind. But then the gap between those two is a whole 37 seconds per game, which doesn't sound like much, but multiply that by how many oh, games? Yeah. 220 games, all of a sudden, that's a few hours extra he's on the ice. So yeah. I find, yeah, usually we're not that sympathetic. You heard yesterday's podcast <laughs> extremely um, pointed in our comments because we do this every day. This is going to be episode 721, wow. and we have a single playoff game as, as a team. Like, it's about time that they turn the corner and you would think we'd be all over the top defenseman to be just that. But I really, I, I'm at least curious to see what a, a month would look like where he's playing 22 to 24 minutes each and every game. I think it could be. Uh, beneficial. I love saw that. Last, week, last week they took him off the top power play unit, which is kind of, it's kind of a one, a one B because when you have yeah. Giroux and Debrinket on the yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with that. It's two pretty strong power play units. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, but they had uh, Sanderson out there with Timmy, and I think when when your best player or offensive catalyst is on that unit with Brady, then that's probably your top unit. So I'm curious to see how this season finishes out because DJ Smith was a defenseman himself. You'd think he'd have a a bit better of an idea of how to manage the minutes, but I'm frustrated as well, man. I noticed that when when the puck's on his stick, things kind of slow down, and it can be perceived as a lack of effort for sure. I'm so curious. I mean, you guys are so knowledgeable about hockey. I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm since getting into the podcast, I've been pretty pretty hooked on it. Uh, just to you know, really get my updates and all these really good perspectives. Uh, I'm really curious to know, like, what you think is the plan here? Uh, like, do do you is it an option? Like, I would hate for them to have to move one of these great players that they got. Like, I love Giroux. He's so yep. he's like he, he's local and he, like what a like 
what a captain on the ice too, you know, like he's, he's another great captain and like such a team player, rarely makes mistakes. So great on the face off, like these extra effort plays that work. Like he's just all around. I just love him. Like you can't get rid of him. You can't get rid of Debrinkit. Like he's, he's, he's young and these flashes of brilliance, Um, you know, Norris when he's healthy, like, Oh my God, if, I hope that doesn't become a thing, but another amazing young player, like Timmy, obviously not as locked in. Like, do, is there someone that can be moved? Is that even like, what do the experts think here? Like, well, this is something we've gotten into on the show. And the thing is the Ottawa centers have been rebuilding for so long. They've been collecting all these draft picks, all these prospects, all this young talent. And they have kind of a full, fully loaded, uh, availability in prospects they can move because there's only so many NHL spots and you just named off like six guys that like those guys aren't going anywhere they're so locked good in. they're yeah. locked in we love where they are so what we feel they need to do is start using all those extra assets and I no disrespect to those guys but it's going to yeah. be tough for them to crack the lineup so they kind of are extra assets guys down in Belleville prospects Pool yeah. a bunch of them together and try to get big talents that you can add on the back end, especially. They need another top four defenseman. They just use, do. use some of those prospects you have. And even if you feel like maybe it's a high price to pay, this is what this team needs. And ultimately, I think a lot of fans would agree that could be the missing piece that at least gets this team out of the bottom 10 where they've been stuck recently. So that's kind of the idea is use the extra assets this team has to acquire another top four defenseman. Would is Talbot like worth anything? Because like he can be too good sometimes, and I like, I don't want him to ruin a good tank. So, like, <laughs> There's he, a sense fan right there. I, yeah. And, and would he is he is he tradable? Is that a, is that an option? Would anyone want him? Is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, let's take a look at who stole his job last year. What did Marc Andre Fleury go for? He went for a second that could become a first. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a little bit high. Obviously, Fleury has the pedigree of being a Stanley Cup champion, even though he sat on the bench and watched Matt Murray bring it home two out of three of his cups. But that aside, I think you could probably get like a third for him. But then the question becomes, Menno, because I'm not doing this again next year where we stink. I need them to at least then have a plan at who's going to be the starting goalie next year. Because yeah. we super high on Anton Forsberg. He did a great job. I last loved year. him. He was awesome last year. He was the, the more shots he got, the better he was. This year, it's up and down. But by all accounts, he's the hardest worker on the team. And he's definitely got a spot on the roster, in my opinion, as the backup or a 1B. But you have to have a guy who can eat games and be consistent. And the inconsistency of Talbot, you said it like, that Boston game during the holidays, he was ridiculous. There's other games so far this year where he's stolen points for Ottawa, but then there's been too many where he's given them away completely. So you need to at least balance that. But a team who's in the playoffs, they could be like, hey, we've got our guy, kind of like Minnesota did last year with Talbot. Like, yeah. We've got our guy, but do we trust him? And then in that case, then you go out and you can get a Cam Talbot who's an expiring contract, and that's where it really becomes a, a deal that could be worth moving. However, I think you're going to get like a third rounder back. And then all of a sudden you look over and Philip Gustafson's first in the NHL and save percentage, the guy they traded for Talbot. So, Oh my God, that's so uh, – oh no. Who's the guy that was the third goalie that they traded? Uh, that was play- Philip Gustafson. That was him. Yeah. Like the now third goalie this year who played some game – who won a game against – Oh, like a- uh, Matt Sogard, the, the that- Great Dane. 
The Great Dane, we call or, him. He's, or is he's, he talking about my guy, Magnus Helberg? He was here oh, for yeah. one game at the start of the year. That's who I'm talking about. What happened to him? There wasn't enough room to keep him around. And I was I was on the hype train and I was saying, you got to keep this guy around. He's a good insurance policy. It's not going to cost you much. I think he's NHL ready. But uh, unfortunately, he was just a guy to fill in the gap while uh, other goalies got uh, ready here. But uh, none of us were anticipating that these goalies would struggle. We, we all thought in the offseason, the Sens finally figured out their goalie problems. And here we are. A couple yeah. months later, worried about this once again. Okay, but, okay, we, but we okay. love doing this, right? I, yeah, I mean, it's what we do, yes. <laughs> Hel- Helberg has an 875 save percentage since beating Ottawa. So we can pump the brakes a touch, but That's again, fair, yeah. he would have been an option. It's just a matter of, and Pilsy and I talked to Matt Sogard, who's kind of the up-and-coming in Belleville. He's dealing with a few injuries right now. But he he told us, he's like, man, practically, you just can't have three goalies on the same roster yeah, for practice. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you get into a difficult situation when you have three guys and one needs waivers. See, so just got claimed off of waivers, and there's nothing you can do about it. On the flip side, that's how Ottawa got Anton Forsberg was grabbing him off waivers. So it's a bit of give and take there, but that kind of just underlines the importance of needing a number one goalie that Ottawa was so spoiled with Craig Anderson for a decade. And now looking back, hindsight 2020, they could have just kept Craig Anderson. He's still kicking out saves left and right. I know, right? Um, I really like uh, Buffalo. Me yeah, too. They're fun too. Like, yeah, they really are. They're they're fun to watch, and um, yeah, they 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 have that. Uh, seems like I, I don't know their players as intimately, but they uh, they have that uh, that that grit that the Sens that I like about the Sens too. When they, when the Sens are being the Sens, I love. Yeah. Hundred percent, and that's kind of what we're all holding on to because for decades the Senators were kind of the gold standard of Canadian teams. There were no cups coming to Canada, regardless. So you yeah. look who made the playoffs the most, and Ottawa went eleven straight years making the playoffs and didn't miss back to back years until twenty eighteen nineteen, from when they first made the playoffs <laughs> in nineteen ninety seven. And now, Mano, this might really blow your mind as a guy who used to go to the Civic Center. That gap from inauguration. Till they made the playoffs for the first time was five years. Oh my! This is about to be number it's six. Longer? This is How is that possible? And oh. Pierre Dorian as GM, and again, there's some extenuating circumstances. There's good. There's bad. There's everything. Only Garth Snow has missed the playoffs six straight years with the same team, and kept his job. So I, I don't know where we're at right now, but it's it's almost darkest before dawn in a sense yeah. new owners are coming yep. and i feel like that's kind of the the invigoration that we can have as a fan base that there will be a new a new dictator around and, and hopefully that helps things that excites me and the idea of a new arena in a place where yes. people can walk to it and get those that place full every night and you know really well designed like I went to the new newish Detroit arena recently to okay. see the Sens in Detroit, and what a different fan experience it is than uh, the Canadian Tire Center. What's it even called now? Yeah, it's still the Canadian yeah, Tire Center. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for um, now, it's had yeah, like yeah. different names. So, but it was amazing. There was like a lot of those, like kind of how the new stadiums have, like really like loungy, mingly places yep. where you can watch, and even has screens in there with some of them with sound and like just like a great. They could like really walk around, and it was such an amazing experience and if we can build a rink that is just a pleasure to go to that um 
we could fill every night. I think that would that that's that's half the battle there too. Hundred percent. Can we pencil in any way gang music where it is on Instagram? Anyway, gang, can we pencil you guys in to help open the farm boy house at LeBreton Flats? Farm boy or- barn. Right? It's got to be the farm boy barn. One hundred percent. Please, please, please. We would absolutely love to. That's awesome, Menno. Final question for me. You just mentioned Detroit. Where's what other memories do you have, or anywhere in particular where you've seen the Sens on the road that really stands out? That, I think, is the only Sens game I have caught outside of Ottawa. It, so many times on tour, like a day off, and we like see if it will line up and we miss it by a day or something because, you know, it's really hard to get those schedules to work. But, yeah, as far as I can tell, I think the only place I saw them, maybe in L.A. once I saw a Sens okay. game. But that was a that, win, though, right? That was the six-three win where it was all special team. Was it this year you went in Detroit, or, or no? A couple it years? was the last game of last year in Detroit. So sometime in April, even everyone had given up by then. Both teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's like as tank battle as it gets. Wait, yeah. we definitely won that game too. Yeah. That would have been five-two win. I'm, I'm always on top of this. Did stuff. we win that one? That was I the seem to remember it as a loss. Loss, but maybe I was even just going for Detroit because I was hoping <laughs> <laughs> you're cheering for the tank <laughs> and then we didn't even use the pick but yeah that was the Matthew Joseph Hattrick game where he got the empty netter and uh, it was kind of his welcome to the stage moment but uh, no that's awesome man. Uh, man this was this was great we didn't even get into your music as much as we wanted that oh, that's means- boring no oh, we gotta get you back on man I, I got I got a final final uh, question. It's kind of similar to Ross's, but before that, I just want to shout out. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I was a Colorado fan for a long time, and what what I love that you guys do is you make really creative music videos. The art of the music video is something that unfortunately is dying, and it's it's now just about getting sponsorships and and flashing the Pepsi cans <laughs> in the right angles and stuff like that, which is a disgrace. But you guys did such a good job. I recommend everyone go uh, check out your music video, So It Goes. One of my all-time favorite music videos, an incredible story that is worth uh, the nine minutes of watching that one. So that's one of my favorite ones for sure, Menno. But my question to you is similar to Ross's question, but on the music side, what's been your favorite place to play a show? Like where when you're touring, what was the one venue or location that you were like, ah, I wasn't really sure about this, but this blew me away? Oh, that's really, really, really um, a tough question because every place is so different. Like, you know, some places like, you know, really suck hard, harder than other ones and are really <laughs> no fun to go to. Um, like Toronto. But, yeah. You know what? We had such a hometown crowd here from like spending no, so much just time kidding. that it really, truly was amazing. Yep. It was really hard to crack you to Toronto. You know, when you're first going, like everyone's Fair. just like looking at you with their arms crossed. Like, but once we finally did get it, that they were so gracious and welcoming. You know, playing Ottawa was always, always incredible. Um, just favorite venue? In, where's your favorite venue in Ottawa? Oh, I mean, we used to play in Manitick at the. At, I don't know what's called anymore. It used to be called Kelly's Pub. Now I think it's the Mill Tavern, like on the main street. Like it would, okay. the capacity is about fifty people, and we'd pack a hundred in there, and they were some nice. of the best shows we could imagine. But in Ottawa, you know, we used to play the old Saw Gallery and the uh, Bronson Center. It was our most recent places where we would play. Love them all, but 
You know what else stands out is Edmonton is a great rock and roll city. They really nice. take okay. it all the way. But I got to say the most memorable place that we ever played on all our travels was Moscow, Russia. What wow. a strange and scary, horrible place. And um, we were opening for some 41. Okay. Uh, and there was about 6,000 people there. And it was an indoor venue. And people were lighting fires and lighting fires in the in the venue. Like, just absolutely terrifying, but very, very memorable. Yeah, it's a little different over there in Russia, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, we appreciate you so much for jumping on with us today. Everyone go give them a follow if you're not already on Instagram. How would you even say that? Menovers on on Instagram? Uh, M-E-N-N-O-V-E-R-S. There you go. Just spell it out for the people in the back like myself. And I want to hear everyone in the comments. Let us know where you've seen Meno perform before because he mentioned a few spots in Ottawa. And I always like hearing the nostalgia. And it was great to get some nostalgia for you from visiting the Civic Center and all that, man. We got to do this again down the road. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. You guys really brought up a whole bunch of great memories. And it's it a real pleasure uh, learning from you. Stick taps to Meno for joining us. Really fun conversation with him. And again, make sure you're following him on his social media platforms at Menovers. You can find him on Twitter and on Instagram there. Royal Mountain Music as well. Great, great content. I didn't realize he was in a band with Sam Roberts. Like that's that's a throwback name right there. Yeah, not a big deal, uh, that's for sure. And uh, we had such a blast chatting with him, and uh, we're definitely going to have him back on. Maybe we'll do a end-of-season report with him and see how he's feeling about the Sens going into the offseason because that, that was a fun chat, and uh, the Alfie story is uh, all-time. Absolutely. Thanks again, Menno, and appreciate you. And now we get to a game day. The Senators are hosting the New York Islanders, a team that has one win in their last 10 games. They're struggling. And let's start with their lines. Up front, Matt Barzell at the 1C position in between Beauvillier and Sezikis, former Ottawa 67. The second line is Brock Nelson between Anders Lee and Kyle Palmieri. The third line, Jean-Gabriel Pajot in between Zach Parisi and Josh Bailey. The fourth line, Atu Ratti, Matt Martin, and Simon Holmstrom, talk about putting Aturati in a position to succeed. Hey, Pills on defense, Alexander Romanov with Scott Mayfield, Pelik and Pollock, the classic shutdown pair there. And then we have Bull Duke with Sebastian, no, not that, Aho. In goal, still no word whether it's Ilya Sorokin or Semyon Varlamov. Varlamov was a part of the Islanders' 4-1 win over the Senators in that weird 5.30 p.m. start, the night where Daniel Alfredson was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Islanders are 23-21-5 on the season, but they're on a five-game losing streak and have lost control of the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Their leading scorer is Brock Nelson with 42 points in 49 games, tied with Matt Barzell. Pilsy, who's your locked-on player tonight or to look out for on the Islanders? Well, I had to stop myself. I wanted to go with my guy, Atu Ratti. Uh, you guys know if you followed us during the t- uh, draft. That was the 2020 draft, right? 2021. Pilsy, oh, 20. you would have taken him at 10. Yeah, I, I was interested in him at 10. He ends up going 42nd overall. I was all over this guy. Uh, but I'm not going to do that because he's only going to play eight or nine minutes. So I'll do someone with a little more impact here. I'm going to go with Kyle Palmieri, uh, Ross. And this one may seem like a random one, but he's been injured for quite a while here. And we talked about the Islanders not really having any kind of 
snipers or like elite scores. And yes, I know Kyle Palmieri is definitely on the downside of his career, but he is shooting at a 14.3% rate on the Islanders. And other than Cal Clutterbuck, that's the highest uh, shooting percentage. And he's playing the point on the first power play unit. So this is a guy, yes, he's a little older, but you got to watch out for him as he still has an elite shot. Is there a streakier player in the NHL than Matthew Barzell? I mean, maybe not. Yeah, he is very streaky. My goodness. Only one assist and minus seven in his last eight games. I'm going with Matthew Barzell as my lookout player because at some point, the points have to come. They were coming fast and furious before this eight-game stretch where he has one assist. In the uh, in the seven games before, he had seven goals and ten points. Yeah. So now he's just gone ice cold. And with that, the team has also really mm-hmm. struggled to put together. Remember last time when he came to Ottawa, all he was doing was getting assists on the way up. When he when he had two assists in Ottawa last game, uh, they played against each other. That was his 18th assist of the season in only 17 games. Pilsy, he had zero goals yeah, at that uh, time of the season. So he's evened it out a little bit. He has 11 goals now in the season, but he has been struggling of late. And that salary is at $10 million. The cap hits down at seven, but he's a guy who they need to be producing if they're going to get out of this funk. So I'm going to look out for Matthew Barzell, but I'm also going to make note. And as a goalie friendly show, we have to, we're not sure if he's starting, but Ilya Sorokin gets absolutely no help. He might be the best goalie in the league. Like he's that good. He's right on, on par with the Shesterkins, the Vasilevskis, uh, the Hellebucks of the world. And he has nothing to show for it. I made note with uh, Mike DiStefano. I was like, this guy is the Jake DeGrom of the NHL. He, he just throws amazing games and, and he gets nothing to show for it. Yeah, and plays for the Blue and Orange team in New York also. So that's interesting. But Ross, the reason Barzell is kind of in a slump recently is because he, he's a disher and there's no one to dish it to. So we'll see. Palmieri was out for quite a while here. So we'll see if that helps. But uh yeah, I don't, I don't know. This Islanders team is is very interesting to me. And uh, they're going to have to decide here whether they're going to make a push to go for playoffs or whether they're going to slip down into the void here. So this is a pivotal time in the season for the New York Islanders. Meanwhile, for the Ottawa Senators, it's a time in the season. But it's also a very exciting uh, game for Ridley Gregg, his NHL debut. If you want a deeper discussion on Ridley Gregg, the expectations around his call-up and what we expect from him going forward, then check out yesterday's Locked On Senators. But for now, we'll tell you that Tim Stutzla is centering a top line with Brady Kachuk and Matthew Joseph. I don't know if Timmy and Joseph have ever been on the ice together at the same time at 5-on-5. We know it was Norris up with Kachuk and Joseph to finish off last season. But then, obviously no Norris. We've got Ridley Gregg in between Alex DeBrinkett and Claude Giroux. Shane Pinto will center a line of Derek Broussard and Drake Batherson. And the one change from yesterday and the day before at practice is it will be Dylan Gambrell centering Parker Kelly and Austin Watson. Uh, Kastelik a little banged up, so he is unavailable for tonight's game. On defense, Thomas Shabbat with Nick Holden. Jake Sanderson with Travis Hamanick and Eric Brandstrom with Nikita Zaitsev. Cam Talbot did not skate this morning, which usually means that he will get the start. Anton Forsberg is the other option in goal. Still injured, Mark Kaslik, Josh Norris, Tyler Mott, and Artem Zub. Although Tyler Mott did skate wearing a non-contact jersey, so hopefully his return 
is imminent. Pilsy, who is your locked on player for tonight's game? My locked on player is going to be a guy who loves playing up against the New York Islanders, Ross. That is your guy, Claude Giroux. The New York Islanders are the team he has the most regular season points against in his entire career. In 65 games, he has 24 goals, 46 points. Good for 70 uh, points here. Or I think I said, uh, no, let me read that again. 65 games, 24 goals, 46 assists. Good for 70 points. I mixed that one up there. So Claude Giroux, this is a big game for him. It's up against a team he knows very well. And he's going to have to, I don't want to say play babysitter here because that's uh, a bit of a stretch. But with Ridley Gregg making his debut as a center and Alex Dabrinkat, kind of a guy that's, been trying to figure out his game that's used to playing with Batherson. Drew's going to have to do a lot of the work here. So I'm expecting a big one from him here, especially since he's going to be taking probably all the draws for us. 100%. Now it's too easy for me to just say Ridley Gregg. I think we're all going to be locked on to Ridley Gregg. Hell, Pilsy and I saw the first ever game Ridley Gregg wore a Sens jersey and it it was the goal of the year. We said at the end of the year, that was the best goal the Sens scored all year. He goes between the legs, backhand, cheese. It was ridiculous right in front of us. Uh, our friend Ainsley McPhail took a photo of our reaction right away. It was our first time at a hockey game since COVID. Like All the stars aligned to make that an amazing moment. Yeah. But we will, of course, be locked on to Ridley Gregg. But I'm going to go with Matthew Joseph. This guy is getting the opportunity of a lifetime where – he went from healthy scratch. We don't know what happened. Broke a team rule, did something. And now all of a sudden, boom, your first line. You're playing with Tim Stutzler, Brady Kachuk, the two best players on the team. What are you going to do with that opportunity? Because I think with the injury and the situation around his healthy scratch, it kind of took the attention away from the fact that he struggled this year. Yep. Two goals, seven assists in 27 games. That's not the Matthew Joseph that was scratching the surface. So hopefully playing up with these great players will allow him to have more opportunity. Will we see him on a power play unit tonight, Pilsy? Maybe. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind giving him that opportunity. I think this next stretch of games, you should really figure out how you're going to fix Matthew Joseph. Because if you're management, you committed a four-year contract to him. You didn't have to do that. They did. And now let's see how they can get him going. And I also, a secondary locked-on player. You know I love revenge games, Pilsy. We know Jean-Gabriel Pajot is on one side. Travis Hamanick, longtime New York Islander, has only played against them six times because he went from the Islanders out west. So he has never really had a chance to play much against them. Six career games, one goal, one assist. So points per game-wise, that's got to be up top with how he's done against any team. But all jokes aside, uh, he needs to have a big night because the rest of that right side of the decor is Nick Holden and Nikita Zaitsev. So it's going to be a big, big pressure night and a lot of minutes coming up for Travis Hamanick. Give me a key to victory, Bills. My key to victory for this uh, game is I want the Ottawa Senators. We mentioned it a couple times. This team doesn't have a lot of elite snipers. Keep the Islanders wide. Don't let them come in and don't let their big body guys like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, don't let those guys crash the net and have chances at rebounds and stuff like that. Keep them wide. They don't have any people that really you're going to worry about just sniping one along the wing. Hopefully not. Uh, Cam Talbot, hopefully that glove doesn't have any holes in it tonight. So that's my my big key is just don't allow them to crash into the middle and crash the net because I feel like that's where the New York Islanders are going to have success. Keep them wide. Let Talbot see everything. And I think this team has a shot to win. The, the Islanders' power play is absolutely atrocious. So, I'm so bad. 
I'm thinking about going somewhere there. Only the Nashville Predators, Columbus Blue Jackets, and Montreal Canadiens are worse than the 16.4% conversion rate for the New York Islanders. Get this, Pilsy. The Senators are almost double that. They're up at 26.3%. So they're they're in they're closer to double than they are to where, where the Islanders are here as the Senators sit fourth in the National Hockey League. So Special teams have to be special. But to give you something else, I know the Islanders have always been known as that identity of being physical, tough to play against, right? I don't want to get into a slugfest with the Islanders where it's just all like bunched up, just hit everything. Like try to actually play your game. The Senators lineup tonight, especially with no cast like as well, they're predicated on speed. So play with speed. Don't try to get caught up on finishing every single check when realistically on paper, I think the Sens are the better team. And even with the decor the way it is, at least up front, they're the better team. Like on the back end, Pelican and Pollock probably give the Islanders the edge with their ability. But overall, I think you're looking. And is Dobson hurt, by the way? Like, where's Noah Dobson? I think he's day to day, is what Daily Faceoff has him as. Okay. Because he's a great player and he would be a Big difference time. maker game but I think that on paper I like the Senators in this game now of course if Elias Sorokin's in he yeah. can steal points uh, by himself and but Verlomov did the same Ross yeah fair enough <laughs> but I think you, you you just have to be the better team and it sounds so simple but coming off 5-1 loss to the Jets on Saturday at home and then just sitting around for three days you know what my key to victory is play mad like don't get I, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I don't want that anger to just turn into <laughs> Yeah, what are we doing here? But no, like have some pride. Like you, you've been blown out in back-to-back games. Like, like push back. Have a little pushback. Score some. Hey, here's a crazy one. Score a couple even strength goals. How about that? What? Come on, Ross. Let's not get too wild here. These Ottawa Senators. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get crazy tonight. Postcast coming up after the game. Laleem's Martian will join Pilsy. I got to be on the clock tonight. Ah, boy, but. The boys will have you all covered after this game. Are you confident? Let's end. Where's your confidence level going into tonight? I mean, the Sens are going up against a team that has one win in their last 10 games. Like, you would think this would be the time that they can uh, bounce back here. But at the same time, I really think the New York Islanders is going to put it all on the line here. This is a veteran group. They play with a lot of pride. They're not out of it yet. So they can't allow themselves to lose games up against teams that are out of it. That being your Ottawa Senators are out of it. So I think we're going to see a big pushback here, Ross. I think this is going to be a close game. But if you're asking me if I'm confident that the Sens can win, not really. (laughs) All right. There's the confidence level we all need going in to this Wednesday. Um, Kind of a cool note as well. Ridley Gregg, NHL debut. It's his dad's birthday today. So that's a nice little fatherly birthday. Gets to see his son play in the National Hockey League. Ridley Gregg, one of the greatest interviews, too, because he's just so he's nonchalant. Awesome. It's great. So if you want to learn more about the kid, we've had him on twice. You can go on our YouTube channel or search up the podcast, the Ridley Gregg interview. We had him on when he was in the WHL bubble right yep. after. And then we had him on again after the preseason. And some people were asking, isn't he suspended? For a game, we thought so too, but Pierre Dorian said during training camp that he served it. So I don't know if it was on paper for one game last year. or No, it was. Game. They brought him up. Remember they brought him up and we we're all like, oh, wow, he's going to get a shot here. And then Dorian's like, no, this is just to cover his I, suspension here. I forget that anyways. but uh, It was a weird moment, yeah. There you go. So now Ridley Gray cleared to play. NHL debut on deck. 
And like you said, we will be breaking it all down tonight in the postcast. Thanks to Men Over Steeg for joining us. Guys, yep. go check out this guy's music. It's actually elite, elite stuff. Not only uh, his old stuff with Colorado, but he's got the new band going right now with Sam Roberts, a couple other guys involved. So go check that out wherever you get your music, and we will see you tonight in the postcast. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day.